Greetings, I am your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to the second season of my Weirdest Experience podcast. This is the show of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. And it's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have D and Neil Elliott here today. He's the author of the book, A Higher Road. And today he's sharing a story about what led to his spiritual awakening. Welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you, Tina. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Definitely. So walk us into your spiritual awakening and um, start from the beginning. Okay. And I'll, um, I'll give everybody an overview and then maybe we'll step back and you have a few questions and stuff. So I'll, I'll keep it relatively short. Um, so currently 61 years old, live in Canada, uh, married, second marriage. Um, between my wife and I, we have three kids uh, and I have five grandkids, um, professional engineer with an MBA. That's important for this story. and um, worked in the hydroelectric industry for over 30 years. Uh, So I grew up obviously in the 60s, and uh, my father passed away when I was five. Um, I was the youngest of six kids, and my mother, uh, you know, there was no insurance, uh, no life insurance, so my mother needed to find a job and get out and go to work right away. And um, from 2002 to 2015 uh so i'm skipping a bunch here but we'll go back from 2002 to 2015 i slowly found myself um kind of driving myself into this really deep and despondent depression i didn't realize i was doing that until 2015 i kind of woke up and i realized that i am like super depressed and so i i you know kind of bought some new books, some new spiritually issued books from authors we all know, uh, and uh, was reading them, trying to change. This is the second time I did this. I tried this in the 90s, but but I was in this deep depression this time. So I um, was reading these books, trying to change my thinking to bring me, get me out of this depression. Uh, It ended up that um, in 2017, uh, none of the books I was reading, uh, none of the processes offered, all good authors, all good processes didn't work for me. And I sat down at a kitchen table and uh, crafted my suicide note. I was planning that out, uh, being an engineer. Um, you know, I kind of uh, was planning that I wanted to do that act, but be able to have time to say goodbye to my wife and my family without them knowing what I was doing. And also to ensure my wife would be financially okay. About a week prior to me sitting down, I, uh, some material had come to me um, that promised to liberate me from my thinking. So I pushed the date out a little bit and I thought, okay, I'll study this material. If it works, that's great. And if it doesn't, then I will do the final act. I um, 
woke up a year later and realized that my depression was totally gone. I was full of this um, inner peace and joy and love. And I felt totally abundant and, and prosperous. And I had this new verve for life. And um, about a month after that date, so about 13 months after I began this process that I share on a higher road, I, I went into these two meditations that were a couple of days apart. And um, you change through levels of consciousness, so higher frequency of consciousness um, as, you, as you go through this process. And I went into this high state of uh, vibrational frequency and I felt myself just fully embathed, uh, bathed in uh, unconditional love. And I felt non-judged, um, uh, totally at peace. I didn't care what was wrong with my body. I didn't care about any ailments or illnesses that, that it had. And um, I was just... I felt totally taken care of and not judged for anything I did. And just, it, it's a, I can't even describe, we don't have the language to describe how I felt in these two meditations. And, um, I came out of those and, um, you know, it's just been this progression since then of this deepening, uh, more insightful knowledge, uh, inducing, spiritual awakening. And, um, and I wanted to share this information in this process from the rooftops. And um, I thought, okay, I'm going to be looked at like a nutcase. So I took me a couple of years to figure out the best way to do that is to write a book. And that's the book I've written. And, and my goal is to introduce people to uh, the process that I used um, and, and the new knowledge I gained that enabled this transformation in me. And it, and it bridges this gap between spirituality and science. It's a, it's a new and exciting way to look at spirituality. And it, and because I have this grounding in, you know, engineering, I'm obviously mathematical and, you know, calculating stuff like that, but because I have that grounding of I'd like to observe it, measure it, calculate it, and then I'll believe it. <laughs> I needed to go through this process, this foundational process I went through before I received this new material, and then follow this, um, uh, gain the new knowledge that I gained by reading this new material, and follow this process, which I've outlined again in a higher road, that has just slowly transforms how you think and totally changes your perspective and view of the world and of life and of creation. And it is, it is for lack of a better word, it is magical. It truly is. It sounds amazing. So what happened in that year where you went from crafting a suicide note to suddenly realizing you were out of your depression? So, um, you know, there was some foundational stuff I read in science before I got to that point, but, um, through the, to answer your question. So what happened was, you know, I, I'm learning this new knowledge and I'm in, I learned a meditation that I, that, um, you need to follow, 
um, in order to to have this awakening. <clears throat> and um, so it happens slowly and it happens imperceptibly and you, you don't know it's happening. But if you follow this, what happened at about the seven month level is I started to feel this little opening at the top of my head. Um, it's about the size of a dime. I didn't know that's what it was. Um, it just felt weird. It was kind of tingly and stuff. But over time, what happened was that opening grew in size. And at some point I recognized that, oh, you know, what's happening is I am impressing new brain cells with new knowledge. And those new brain cells and new knowledge is allowing that part of my brain to operate at a higher frequency of vibration and be able to connect back with the source of our being. So you can call it God, you can call it Yahweh, the Tao, you know, whatever you want to call it, Allah. There's only one creator. And um, as I learned these fundamental mechanisms that we use moment by moment to create every experience and every event that comes into our life. And um, I learned all these, there's so much to learn, but as I learned all of these mechanics and mechanisms that we use moment by moment, I went through a process that enabled me to cleanse myself of these erroneous thinkings and beliefs and um, transform that and into, uh, I call it golden aspirations of divine consciousness, uh, which are, is thinking and beliefs that are in alignment with where we come from. And when you do that, what happens is, is this area begins to grow. Right now, you could put a bowl over my head that goes down to the bottom of my ears, and that opening is the entire top of my head. And, you know, our goal is to bring the divine down through us and express the divine through us to everyone else. And when you realize this, and you realize the mechanics of the universe that we use that we cannot escape, it's a, a movement in consciousness and consciousness and movement, and you cannot escape the process of consciousness. It is a law of cause and effect. And when you understand these things and at a fundamental level, when you gain this new knowledge, you can make a choice of whether you want to undo this and um, have this kind of spiritual waking or whether you want to carry on uh, with your life as it currently is. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of um, Reiki. If you're familiar with Reiki, when you're giving Reiki, you connect to universal life force through your crown. And that energy gets pulled down into the center of your body, into your heart, and out your arms, into your hands, into the person that you're working on. Yes, I haven't taken Reiki at all, but I understand that that is um, part of that process. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit more about what the process was or the process that you outlined in your book? Yeah, so let me tell you, I'll tell you what, let me tell you about how my book is structured and, and the way I think I recommend people read my book. And then we'll get into a little more details of, of, of the whole thing. Uh, so 
the way my book is structured, it has five parts. Uh, part one is an, you know, kind of a introduction to what you're going to learn and a structure of the book. And uh, part two uh, is a memoir. And part two, uh, so I did a, you know, a few chapters of my life to explain the kinds of behaviors and thinking, thinking and feeling that I adopted that created every experience that came into my life, every event, every experience. And I do that in a very candid way. I felt that even though I'm a private person, I felt it to be very candid with that so that people could, if they decide to embark on this process, they can go back and use that as an example or a template, if you will, of how I looked at my life to unwind and understand the patterns of thinking that I had developed that created all of these experiences that came into my life, including sitting down crafting a suicide note. And uh, part three of my book is a book, is a chapter on consciousness. And um, the foundational books that I read um, that are based in science um, and began this process to open me up to receive this new information that I share in part four. And in part four of my book, I share this new information. You need to come to this information uh, like a little child full of wonder and full of joy and full of curiosity and without doubt. Because when you doubt, you create consciousness forms that will block you and prevent you from learning the new knowledge and indeed will, will and can eradicate uh, any in, insight that you had already gained. And then part five of my book is uh, my personal experience as I navigated and went through these seven steps. And um, so my recommended way to read a higher road is read it cover to cover, understand the process in its entirety, and then make a decision for yourself of whether this makes sense to you. And if it does, then go back and either start with some of the science material that I share in part three, or start directly with step one and, uh, and then follow the process. And, um, you know, and if it, if it doesn't ring true to you or, you know, it just doesn't hit land with you, then if you've bought a hard copy of the book, uh, either as a hard copy or trade paperback copy, then what I ask you to do is please just pass that on to somebody. If you're not going to keep it, please just pass it on to somebody else um, without colorful commentary to let them discover for themselves whether or not this process will work for them. It may be that be the biggest gift that you give anybody. Um, you know, we can never accurately judge the inner reality of another person. Some of that comes across really affable and kind and consider it can be an entire mess inside. And so um, it's important that they come to that to follow this process uh, that I've crafted in a higher road to to hopefully take them to a point of opening their mind where they will be able to accept this new information that I provide to people um, that enables the spiritual awakening. Yeah, I mean, when you talked about doubt, um, I always tell people that 
it's okay to be skeptical, but if you just remain open to the possibilities, to stay open-minded and yeah, and curious, curiosity is really important just to be open and curious to what can happen to the potential. Yes. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. I think that, um, so I would say to people, you may doubt something you read, but when you are doubting it uh, initially, or you're skeptical, that's a good word to use, then don't dwell on it. Don't think about it and use positive affirmations to get you over that. Um, and just carry on reading and learning other material that doesn't give you that initial skepticism. And if you can do that and you don't dwell on that, you won't create these consciousness forms, which will block this learning. And then as you come back and you um, continue this process to go through and you'll be rereading that material, you will at some point, as you open up, you will at some point um, change your uh, skepticism that will become, uh, you'll be more open to it and you will be seeking to better understand the words that, um, you know, the knowledge that's being conveyed to you. So the, the spiritual words of enlightenment can never truly be understood or known by a human consciousness um, right from the get-go. You know, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes um, openness and curiosity and, and um, exploration for this stuff to actually sink in and become part of uh, your belief system yeah and repetition you have to hear it sometimes over and over again before it sinks in like the oh, course and the course in miracles is like that like it, it repeats itself over and over again and that's why i only went in 23 percent of the book because <laughs> i was like okay i get it <laughs> You don't have to repeat it to me anymore. <laughs> well, sometimes the, the repetition uh, is important. I agree. But, you know, especially when it's repetition, but it's said differently, because depending on how it is stated, you know, if you go in a room and you make a statement to 100 people, um, your statement will land with certain percentage of those people the rest of the people will not necessarily believe you or understand what you're saying mm -hmm. but that same message delivered in a different way perhaps by a different person or even yourself will be heard by some of those other people that didn't get it the first time and so on mm -hmm. so um repetition especially when it's crafted differently and giving you the same message um it will just it will build your understanding so um I think that's an important aspect with some of the, um, you know, some of the learnings that uh, people will, will read. Yeah. So who, who is your target audience for the book? Like who would benefit the most from this process? Everybody. So if I had my way in the world, everybody would read the book and make a decision for themselves because I don't know who it's going to land with and who it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, somebody seeking a spiritual, a true spiritual awakening, um, this material may land with them. Somebody who's grounded in science, 
um, and open and curious, this material may land with them. Somebody who's entirely miserable inside, you know, whether they're poor or they're wealthy, whether they're on the street or living in a mansion, it doesn't matter. You know, material things don't bring us happiness. It is the, uh, you know, life is a journey within. And we let our external, well, the majority of people let their externalities drive their world. And what you see is really just a reflection of your beliefs. You change your beliefs, you see the world differently. And it, but in order to change your beliefs, you have to be able to go through a process of gaining some new knowledge and then a very specific process to go through and break up and dissolve these patterns of thinking that you have that you've embedded over a lifetime into your subconscious. They're like concrete. So, you, you know, to break them up and dissolve them takes time, energy and effort, but you need a process to do that. Mm-hmm. Using your willpower alone to try and change how you fundamentally think and how you've programmed your subconscious mind, in the end, the ego will win. You know, you, you need this process to be able to um, break, break up these patterns of thinking and open yourself up to new ideas and new thoughts and new beliefs. So what were some of the patterns of thinking that was holding you back or making you unhappy? Um, So, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, And then let's talk a little bit about the science aspect. Uh, So, you know, for instance, I, you know, all of us do this. We have patterns of this is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. This is true. This is false. And my patterns of those right, wrong, you know, good, bad, true, false might be different than others. But the the point is that when you have these judgments and you have, um, when you judge other people, when you criticize other people, and I'm not talking about outwardly speaking these judgments or criticisms, I'm talking about thinking them <laughs> if mm-hmm. you because you what you say we're all good actors in our environment so we can put forward whatever we want even though internally we might be thinking something entirely different or contrary to what we say it's it's what you think that's the important part what you think and what you feel and um so these judgments and criticisms uh perhaps denigrations or you know slanders another one um, there's a whole list of these things which are contrary to the source of our being. The source of our being is unconditional love. And anything that is contrary to unconditional love will create these consciousness blueprints that will attract to you like experiences and like events. So in order for you to change these things you need to break this up and you need to have some new knowledge um, that teaches you uh, about our creator and about how creation came about this is the process for me so i needed to understand what was before the big bang what happened at the time of the big bang what happened after the big bang and then how we use these mechanisms um, in material form to create and draw to us all of these experiences. So we have to look at, you know, we need to change our frame of reference. Our frame of reference is not on a lifetime. Our frame of reference is on the evolution of a soul. So the soul comes here to this 
earth, you know, that or this school we call earth to learn lessons. And the soul will be, you know, reincarnated in uh, varying genders, varying places of origin, varying colors of skin, different religions. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll be wealthy, sometimes you'll be poor. All of these various experiences are designed to enable the soul to learn the lessons it needs to learn. And it learns these lessons through the mechanisms that the ego uses to reinforce and create these, these various experiences in life. Over a very long time and a long period of many reincarnations, your soul will finally wake up to understand what's really going on. And it'll get tired of um, allowing the ego to be in control of the life. And then as, as soon as you have this knowledge and this understanding of this from my perspective, um, it enabled me to then start to unwind these processes and start to unwind these patterns of thinking that attracted um, these things into my life that caused me to go to a point of uh, this really deep, despondent, suicidal depression. And so, you know, you know, and I know, everybody knows from, you know, we read it in the newspapers, there's people that have all the money in the world, they might have two or three mansions, and yet they still fall into alcoholism, drugs, um, you know, or commit suicide or get ill. You know, uh, these mechanics work regardless of how much money you have. And um, when you behave in a way which is contrary to unconditional love in terms of your thinking, your feeling, and then your outward expression of those things, you, you're here to learn. So you'll be learning the lessons you need to learn to finally wake up. And then when you wake up, you'll go through this process, lifetime after lifetime of cleansing yourself until you get to a point where you fully transcend the ego. And you're free of these bondages of the ego. And then you'll step into the light and you will not need to be reincarnated again. And that's when your real life begins. So I can't answer your question specifically around what did you think that drew something into your life? That's I explain kind of different patterns of thinking because it's really around anything that's contrary to unconditional love is going to create an experience for you. Yeah, so I can imagine that some of the listeners would be like, well, why do I have to learn these lessons in art school? What what was wrong with being a soul connected to source? And why do we even have to learn anything? Why do we have to transcend anything? Well, so when you, okay, so when you learn this new material, you'll learn you need to understand the difference between universal consciousness, which is before the Big Bang, divine consciousness, which came out of the Big Bang, um, and human consciousness. So if you understand that universal consciousness and divine consciousness is unconditional love, in order for universal consciousness, which is an unconditional love, 
wanting to experience itself. It needed to create mechanisms to create the forms, human forms that it created, plus a bunch of other things, but human forms that it created that have the elements of free will to create different experiences in their life that draw to them um, these aspects that we consider to be negative uh, or bad. And what that does it. So if you think about this now, this is me speculating, but if you think about this, then the whole of divine consciousness and universal consciousness as your soul learns these things, you bring a richness back to the whole experience of divine consciousness and universal consciousness that it could not experience on its own through being in a state of unconditional love. So it brings a richness back to it. So that's my speculation on that, if you will, or, or my thoughts on that. And I think that, um, you know, another way to say it and not to be cavalier about it, but, uh, you know, at some point you might go, well, what does it matter? This is the process. <laughs> this is the process we all agreed to. <laughs> this yeah. is the process you're following. It doesn't matter. And who cares? Cause this is the process that we're going to follow. And you will understand when you go back to source. <laughs> right. Long, long time ago, we decided this was the process. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then, then we forgot that there was a process. Then we had to relearn there was a process. But since we don't remember barely anything here, you know, that that's part process, of the process, though. That, that's part <laughs> of the process. <laughs> so. Your soul remembers. So your soul is a fragment of divine consciousness hidden within the ego and your soul knows, but your, and your soul is always trying to go back to its natural state of unconditional love to its true home and resting place. But while it's here in material form, the ego uh, can only create these experiences of happiness and joy through these mechanics of electromagnetism. And um, as it does this, so the ego, um, you know, can only attract things it likes through um, this bonding, uh, through uh, the effect of magnetism, through this bonding with everything that it likes. I like chocolate cake. I like that house. I like that car. I like that person. I like that event or rejecting those that it doesn't like. I don't like those people. I don't like that event. I don't like that country. I don't like that kind of food. Those are the only mechanics. And, but those mechanics, when, when, you know, they are divinely ordained to provide, you know, kind of joy and happiness to people, but when they are left unconstrained and uncontrolled, they become, um, you know, uh, narcissistic, uh, you know, kind of selfish modes of living and, and, or they're pushing things away that are, they're fearful of, um, that, um, you know, rejecting people that maybe look different, a different color of skin, um, living on the street, you know, rejecting people that it considers and judges to be less than, and these are the kinds of mechanics and things that we do that create these events and experiences that come into our life. 
we create hundreds or thousands of these patterns of of um, blueprints that draw to us the like event or like experience as we magnetize it and attract particles of energy to make it come into manifested form. And when you go through this process, you will understand this in way more detail than I'm giving you. And it hopefully will make sense for you. And when it does, you will be able to understand how and why we're created, how we use the mechanics of the law and cause and effect to create every experience in our life and what your soul's journey is. And when you understand all of these things, then you can start to come to this realization and make this conscious choice of, I would like to, to uh, you know, kind of start on this journey of cleansing myself and rebuilding myself and expressing unconditional love. And that is what we're meant to do. When I see somebody today, I see them as a, a soul that is equal to mine, that is unconditional love. And all of the things that they're doing is just their path to the light whether it's a reprehensible thing or not, I no longer judge it. I will judge for myself whether I do something or not, but I will never judge anybody else. I only see it as their path to the light. Even some of the horrific things that, you know, people are do to each other. It's like that analogy that we're all climbing the mountain, but we're all taking different paths. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. There's, there's many paths and, um, and I'm offering one that is, uh, you know, from my perspective, it's logical, it's rational, it's relatable from a scientific perspective. And then it provides you this new knowledge that lets you individually bridge this gap between spirituality and science. And I found that to be the path that I needed. So you talked about the ego and free will. Is ego and free will the same or two different things? How are they related? So, um, so universal consciousness is comprised of two impulses that are opposing and it's locked in embrace and you'll understand this in detail if you follow these seven steps but it's locked in an embrace and it's of an unimaginable power because they are opposing one of these impulses is will and the other is purpose and when it's split when an aspect of this of universal consciousness split into divine consciousness that separated these impulses, we see them in materialized form as electromagnetism. Your will is your, uh, so the will is a consciousness plan. It is a movement seen as electricity and purpose is seen as electromagnetism, bonding and rejection. Your human consciousness is ephemeral and um, the ego has free will to create things into its life. It doesn't know it's doing this. It does it unknowingly, unwittingly, and ignorantly. But um, it uses the mechanics of the law of cause and effect 
to create these experiences in life. You have, you are, uh, have a, to a very limited extent, the ability to create these things, uh, limited extent due to universal and divine consciousness relative to, um, you create these things using these uh, patterns of uh, electromagnetism to have these experiences in your life. Your soul uh, is um, in alignment with divine will, and divine will is unconditional love. And so your ego uses an aspect of will, but when your ego is left in control, it uses it in a way which is negative to you. Your soul is in alignment with unconditional love and uses aspect the same aspects of will to uh, create positive things in your life and for all those around you. So will is a primary impulse, but when the ego has control of it, it uses it in ways which you will find negative or detrimental. When your soul has control of it and mastery of it, it will use it in ways which draw to you unconditional love and which express unconditional love. And you said there was a, a push-pull between will and purpose. So what is purpose? So <clears throat> will is a consciousness. It, will is um, a consciousness plan. So it is movement and consciousness and consciousness and movement. And it is the plan to go out and create. Purpose um, brings the consciousness plan into material form um, to experience itself. I'm writing notes. <laughs> <laughs> you read the book and then follow the process. You'll understand this in a really yeah, much more expanded I, yeah, way. <laughs> and it takes time, now. takes time and energy and dedication and meditation to actually understand this stuff. Yeah. And, and my understanding of what I read three years ago is entirely transformed and deepened to what I understand when I read the same thing today. Yeah. Yes, of course. It's like when I have these multiple journals, right. And I write down every shamanic journey I've done at most of my dreams. And then I, or anything, Anything you write, I write in my journal and I'll go back and look at it and things will look clearer or I will have aha moments and go, oh, I know what that means now, you know, or I know what that dream means now because this is what happened. Yeah, exactly. And it's important to write these down because after you come out of your meditation, um, you know, if you write them down right away, you will be able to go back and review them. Mm -hmm. And it and it will allow you to remember what you experienced and and what you thought at the time of that experience that will deepen over time. So it's like having a dream, you know, you wake up from the dream. Um, and you, you know, it's pretty clear with what you've just dreamt. But, you know, give it 10, 15 minutes and you'll probably forget all about exactly what your dream was about. Yep. Yep. And you'll lose the details. Like you'll, yeah. you might retain the, the basic theme of the dream, 
but you'll lose the details really fast. So it's really important it, to write it down. Exactly. Yeah. So it's important to have a spiritual journal. So number one, I'm really impressed that you can explain these things because these are concepts that are really hard to define and explain. This is like Eckhart Tolle level, <laughs> you know, when Eckhart Tolle is talking about, you know, being in the now, you know, level. So, oh, and, and, um, and it took this kind of knowledge for me to really digest and understand. Because like I said, there's a lot of good teachers like the Wayne Dyer, the Eckhart Tolle's, Carolyn Mice, you know, we can go on with the list of them. Mm -hmm. And they're all great processes. And they all talk about things that I'd like to understand. But I could never wrap my head around them. Yeah. And today, I have this knowledge, this new knowledge that I gained that has enabled me to have a more complete understanding of this in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah, it's like I understand what they are teaching in those books, but to practice it is a whole nother thing. Yeah, yeah that, and that's exactly right. Like it's, it's okay. So I'll give you, um, so let me talk a little bit about some of this foundational. So I will say now that the books I read that I'm going to talk about right now was laying this foundation for me to change, be able to go through this process to change my beliefs. And so um, an important, all of this is shared in a higher road. Um, but, you know, I used to think that consciousness, for example, was all in my brain and anything that I thought um, I created in my brain. It's something that I knew from experience, uh, had been taught, or, uh, you know, kind of experienced as I was growing up. And then I began to understand that no consciousness is not only in my brain, it's throughout my entire body. And indeed, it's all around us. And um, so I now look at consciousness as the stream of thoughts that go by my awareness. And um, I can pick a thought out of this stream and look at it and review it. And if it's consistent with my patterns of thinking, if I like it, and it might be a positive loving thought or a negative hateful thought, but if it's consistent with my patterns of thinking, I'll keep it and I'll dwell it. If it's not consistent, I'll throw it back in the stream. And um, then I read this book that is a very good book and it is somewhat repetitive. So I'll say this, but it, the repetition is important for you to actually gain the concepts. And it was a book that talked about uh, mind and memes. The, one of the important things that I got out of that book, excuse me for a minute, I'm just going to drink water. Okay. One of the important things that I got out of that book, which I had never fully understood before, was that everything we that we think, they be right, wrong, true, false, good, bad, is really just a belief. Full stop. <laughs> Anything that you think is just a belief. And when you can actually come to this and know that that is true, 
you begin this process to open yourself up to say, well, if that's really just a belief, then I should be able to change that belief. Now, you still need a process to do that. But having that fundamental thought that it's just a belief. The second thing I read was a book about epigenetics that describes exactly, and it's based in science, so it's good for me, in, that our thinking affects the expression of a cell. And uh, the expression of a cell is the work that it does. So our thinking can affect our biology. We can either draw health to that cell and promote the well-being of it, or we can be contrary to the well-being of that cell. Then I read a book on neuroplasticity. I read a couple, and I offer these in a higher road, that um, used examples. Uh, one of them was a really easy read. Used examples of um, you know conditions people that may have suffered a brain injury uh, and had negative effects from that brain injury. And that in the 1960s, they discovered that, you know, they used prior to the 60s, they used to think that the brain grew to a certain size and then it atrophied over time. And in the 60s, they discovered that you can change your neural pathways in terms of how you think through the brain and you can grow new brain cells. So I always thought, you know, kind of atrophied and that was it, but you can actually grow new brain cells. Um, then I read a near-death experience and um, the near-death experience, this was a woman that had uh, suffered from an aggressive cancer over a four-year period. Uh, she went from a normal body weight to down to, I don't know, 75 to 90 pounds. She couldn't lift her head She on her own. She was on oxygen 24 hours a day. She needed constant care. She fell into a coma, was rushed to the hospital. She had tumors from her waist to her head um, from this cancer. She had open wounds that were um, dripping with toxins. And um, the admitting physicians told her husband and family she wouldn't make it through the night. She woke up 24 hours later, declared she was going to be okay. And within two weeks, couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. That's Anita Morjani, right? Anita Morjani. Okay. So medically documented that this is what happened in you know hospital records but it's her experience of what she experienced in the in she in that 24-hour period that opened me up to an expanded understanding of consciousness and gave me an idea of where we come from and where we and how what we return to so you know, we come from unconditional love, we return to unconditional love, she felt she was becoming part of everything in the universe, be it a rock, a tree, a plant or another person. She communicated not through words, uh, speaking words, but through kind of an impression of consciousness. She describes it as um, everything in the universe. I can't remember exact words, but everything in the universe has consciousness within it. That's how she describes it. Mm -hmm. And um, so that expanded me up. I didn't really understand everything that she wrote for, in terms of being able to internalize it, but it, but it felt real to me. I thought it was real, you know, and that, that I could believe it because she, she experienced it. Mm -hmm. So all of these processes were opening me up to accept this new material. Then this new material does this bridge between spirituality and science. And, you know, the first question to ask is, um, when did consciousness first creep into living matter? 
and uh, you know we'll go through that process. I'll do I'll do a little bit of this very quickly. So, you know you you know the the sperm. So they the uh, science believes there's a big bang. They don't know of what and they don't know why. And out of that became the material universe and electromagnetism. Um, energy particles got together, fused and formed elements. Elements few elements got together and formed the first living molecule. Uh, these living molecules randomly got together and formed the first living cell. And then, you know, over billions of years, we have what we have today. So everything random after the, after the Big Bang. But if you think about cells, so, um, you know, sperm fertilizes ovum and over nine and that, you know, you start with one fertilized cell divides into two, four and so on. And over nine months, you build this intricate um, body with all the various components. And <clears throat> you think about that, what we know in science today are a couple of things. We know that at a subatomic level, uh, everything is really just energy. And, um, you know, when you put up your hand, there's more space in your hand than there is anything that's solid form. The other thing we know in science today is that every cell in the body contains the, contains the library of information for the entire body. The only difference between a hair cell and a skin cell is the work that it does. And when you look at all these various components, you look at, you know, um, all the cells that get together to build a liver and maintain it over a lifetime. They continue doing their work. They never intrude on any other cells work. They're always doing the work that they need to do to build and maintain this liver. And when they're doing it, they never suddenly spring into making an ear. There's more harmony in the cells in our body than we display as individuals working on a joint project. So when we look at a cell, we say, we look at one cell, there's this permeable membrane around the cell and, um, and the cell can discern the right nutrition that's going to be healthy for it. And it takes it in through this permeable membrane. It discerns when there's um, buildup of toxic waste and it ejects it out of the membrane. This is the first act of consciousness that in science you could, you know, you could probably get scientists to say, yes, that's an act of consciousness. It's purposeful. Um, so if there's consciousness in a cell, then why wouldn't there be consciousness in the living molecules that got together to create the cell? And if there's consciousness in the living molecules that got together, why wouldn't there be consciousness in the, um, elements that combine to form a living cell or a living molecule. And if there's consciousness in the elements, why wouldn't there be consciousness in the electromagnetic particles that combine to form an element? And what you will learn is that we are not matter imbued with consciousness. We are consciousness made visible through the dis vibrational descent through consciousness and the use of electromagnetism to create materialized form. And so when you think with electrical impulses in the brain and you feel with magnetic impulses in your nervous system, 
Your thinking is a consciousness plan, an electrical plan. Your feeling, being in a feeling of like and love or hate and disdain, does the same thing. Like attracts like, and it produces these um, magnetic poles that draw electrical uh, particles of energy together to bring this consciousness plan into visible form so you can experience it. And we do this again and again and again over lifetime. And it might take years for this consciousness plan for that blueprint to come into form, but it will come into form. Things that are already put into form through our individual consciousness and our collective consciousness will come into form. It is a law of cause and effect. We cannot escape it. And so when you look at, you know, cities and towns and, and countries that read these newspapers um, uh, that are full of these negative things or watch TV and, you know, kind of always digesting these negative, hateful, vengeful, revengeful, murderous <laughs> entertainment that we watch. What we're doing is we're reinforcing these patterns of thinking. We, you know, read a, a, a murder mystery at night that's maybe quite horrific or or we watch a, a, you know, a TV show or a movie that's, you know, maybe got a lot of murder and revenge and hate in it, uh, yelling and arguments. And we go to bed at night and we wake up in the middle of the night. And what are we dreaming about? What are we thinking about? You know, we're thinking about that movie. What are we, what we read? And all of these things create these consciousness patterns individually and collectively that will manifest themselves at some point in the future when they draw enough electrical energy together to do that. And so, and you cannot escape this. It is a movement in consciousness and consciousness in movement. Everything you see is consciousness. And, um, and, and fortunately the world, the universe right now is, um, you know, going through this new dispensation of energy that is helping people to wake up. But what we need are we need these processes. We need this understanding so that we can make a conscious choice to uh, stop our egos from taking control of our thinking and our feeling and creating these negative patterns. That's what will bring this world into a new era of love and peace. But it's done person by person, one person at a time. It is a journey within, not a journey without. Mm-hmm. And And... You have to, you know, if you think that your food intake, your, the right nutrition is healthy for your body, I can tell you right now that your mental diet is more important for the health of your body and the health of this planet than anything that you're eating. And if you keep reinforcing these negative patterns and negative thinking and, and things that, are, that reinforce this unconditional love and this acceptance of others for who they really are, at the core of their being, their souls, we will continue to bring these, you know, negative. And there's nothing right or wrong, good or bad. There's no judgment. You're not here to please God. You're here to express God. You're here to express unconditional love. But we need to go through this process to understand this, excuse me, and learn this. I completely agree. I cannot disagree with anything that you have said. (laughs) 
but we're coming That's up nice. on nice thank you uh, yeah we've come up on an hour now and uh, um if you want anybody what what's the most important thing to know about this book or what you have learned that the listeners can take away from this episode uh, i think that the most important thing is that no matter where you are in life, whether you're, you know, ill or healthy, happy, depressed, live in a mansion or live on the street, when you are open and willing to learn this new knowledge and follow these new processes and take time and energy and put the dedication in, um, you can change the course of your life. You can draw to you internal peace and love and joy and prosperity and abundance, and your life will totally transform. Well, thank you so much, Neil, for coming on the show and sharing all this deep wisdom with us and about your book. And can you share how people can find the book and whether they can contact you with any questions or learn more about you. Absolutely. So the book is called a higher road, cleanse your consciousness to transcend the ego and ascend spiritually. And it's a seven step process to inner peace, joy, love, abundance, and prosperity. Um, my author name is D neil elliott so the d is initial for my first name to differentiate me as an author and on the internet uh, the website is d that's d n e i l e l l i o t t.com a quick way to get there is a higher road.com uh, and i'll point you to that website all my social media is on there there's a free chapter available on request under the website under uh, the menu item uh, the book and the book is available on Amazon or local bookstores in print or your favorite ebook form, Kindle, Apple, Nook, and Kobo, and available globally. And yes, anybody you know on the website uh, uh, is my email and uh, also a contact sheet if you want to do it that way. And anybody can reach out to me and ask me questions or uh, uh, invite me on a show if you'd like to hear more. Yeah, thank you so much, Neil. Thank you so much, Tina. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, my, I'm hoping that this makes sense to people and uh, they'll give it a read. Me too, because this is important stuff. <laughs> Hi, friends. Thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot, and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218, or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E.
thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.